Welcome, one and all, ladies and gents, people. I haven't said that like that since I did my queen deep dive for Great King Rat. Freddie's contribution to their first album simply titled Queen. But we are miles ahead, albums ahead of that now. We are talking about songs from Queen's seventh album Jazz, released in 1978. And today, I feel like we're speeding through this album of dives. It's quite interesting. I do love jazz. I love the album Jazz. I'm not going to lie. But today, we're talking track number five from the album Jazz, and this is dive number 72. I still cannot believe we're in the 70s now. And today, we're talking John Deacon's number, one of John Deacon's numbers, contributions to this album. This is soulful hard rock. I've read a lot of descriptions that simply say rock or hard rock. I think because this is our favorite disco deaky, there's a little bit of soul here as well. And it's quite catchy and fun, this number. Another fun number on Queen's album, Jazz. Easily their funnest album in their collection, if we're looking at the whole. And this song is called, If You Can't Beat Them. I feel like I said that weird. If you can't beat them. (laughs) Gotta enunciate, get those T's out. But yes, this is John's first contribution to the album Jazz. And I'm excited because we've had a lot of Freddie We've had some Brian, and here we are with John's wonderful, soulful, hard rock number, easily the hardest rock number we ever get from the man. And we are at 140 beats per minute in the time signature of 4-4, very simple. And we're in two keys set a whole step apart from each other, D major and E major. So quite the simple arrangement in this song. But for all that simplicity, there's a lot of interest, intrigue, energy here. And this is all about get the upper hand, be the wise guy, beat them at their own game, do your thing. Don't let them keep you down. It's pretty much a lyric from the song right there. Such a wonderful, encouraging number, this one. And I got to say, it surprised me. And I'll talk about that more as I get into this queen deep dive. This is a harder number that's totally unexpected from John. This catchy and rousing rock contribution is full of energy and encouragement. In particular, Brian's guitar playing is aggressive and memorable with impressive riffs distortion, fun phalanger effects, and unending intensity. Freddie is in full force vocally, sharp as a razor, and almost screaming in enthusiasm at some moments. We get more than just singing from him, too. Shouts, yells, fun expressions. And of course, in classic form, Brian, Roger, and Freddie sing out in unison in the chorus. This is very much, in a way, a throwback to earlier Queen numbers where we had more of that rousing wall 
of voices, that queen sound. Roger provides plenty of varied sounds, rhythms, arrangements, and lots of symbols. Lots of symbols. John is, of course, solid as ever, jiving on his bass with those inflections of very melodic and poppy arrangements. Gosh, we love this about him. He always goes there. I've been paying attention more and listening to the bass lines in songs from all different eras and all different artists and bands. And what you notice very quickly is the tendency for bassists to linger right around the tonic or right around the bass note, the root note of the scale in the song or the fifth. You know, not as many bassists dare to write a bass line in an arrangement that's very melodic and almost singable. But we get that from John, and it's no surprise. This is his song. But with a guitar solo for the ages, Brian provides all the grit and aggression we'd expect, impressive riffs layered with effects and singable melodies. Brian creates a performance that's like another voice here. The more this song bops along, the louder and more encouraging it becomes. And it's a solid performance from all the boys. It does indeed make you want to celebrate and join them. That's what it sounds like they're doing. Not just encouraging you to stand up in a situation you're in, but perhaps to get up and go along with them with Queen. Don't have to ask me twice. I'm there and then some for good. This song was performed 64 times from 78 through 79. I gotta say, I wish this stayed. I wish this stayed on tour with them longer. I wish we would have had it through the 80s because here's why. New life is in this song, live. Something about this. I appreciate it all the more after listening to some live performances. And this is what I was alluding to, what I was getting at when I kicked this off. Guys, I wasn't a huge fan of this song at first. I've heard it so many times. I thought it was a good song. I thought it was fun, but it didn't strike me as a particularly fantastic queen number. If I'm being honest, it was one of my lesser favorites from John Deacon. But when you listen to this live, I think you begin to understand the sentiment, the energy around the song more, and why it connected with the audiences the way that it did. Good gosh, Brian's guitar riffs and the solos. Freddie plays the piano in the bridge, which is a nice change up. Roger provides the lead melody vocally in short bursts in the verses, as well as more flare and fire on the drums throughout the entire performance. We know that, that every single one of the boys will do something just so on stage because they don't want to give exactly what the audience is expecting from the album. There's magic to be experienced when the band goes outside those expectations from the album versions. Plenty of symbols, as we'd expect from our boy Roger. The guys sing together in the chorus. John grooves with extra soul and a lick and a riff here and there that totally surprise. But really live, this is Brian's number. He does so many fast and furious tricks on his guitar. It's amazing. 
And I actually much prefer the hard ending live as opposed to the fade out on the album. Definitely a standout number live. And I scratch my head wondering why they let this drop off the set list after 79. And now I wish this wasn't excluded from the live Killers album. Yeah, this song, despite its energy, despite the enthusiasm the audience had for this song. I mean, you can hear people, I guess I say this like it's, like it's an anomaly, but the truth is crowds would often cheer throughout numbers depending on someone's solo or performance. But with this song, as the guys wind up and wind it down in the outro, especially Brian, and Roger, actually, I, we've got so much stuff happening, even John. There's so much stuff going on with the instrumental arrangement in this song's finale. That's why the audience responded the way they always did. You hear cheering, you hear whistling. People loved this. So I cannot understand for the life of me why this was not included on the live Killers album, which of course was made from performances on the jazz tour. So I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wish it was there. I wish we'd had this beyond the 70s. How fun would it have been to hear this in 82? Or, you know, during the works tour. It would have been fun. I'm just saying. This is one of the only songs in which Brian plays all the guitars in a Deacon composition, all the guitars, the rhythm guitars, and of course the lead guitar. Because right, John will often in his compositions pick up on the rhythm guitar. And in fact, he played the acoustic in Who Needs You. What a wonderful song. I feel like talking about that breezy, beachy number again, right? Bonus in this song, in If You Can't Beat Them, Brian's guitar solo is like two minutes long. It's one of Queen's longest in any song. So if you dig a little Brian May, then hey, you got a lot going on here. I could not find anything mentioned by the boys about this song. Real bummer. I love to get quotes from the guys from interviews over the years. And I look everywhere. I look for recent interviews all the way back to the 70s, of course, when the when the album was dropped, in this case, 78, I love to go back and say, okay, who said what and when and why and what was the context? But I couldn't find a thing said about if you can't beat them. But I do have critics, comments, and sentiment. Now, I've already talked about the Cream review for the entirety of Jazz, the album. And they wrote in their review for the album about this song, quote, it's impossible to feel threatened by a barely competent rock group singing, if you can't beat them, join them. Real 70s think, can you imagine a queen army, a pack of mascarid lounge lizards walking in lockstep? First of all, I can imagine that. I think it's glorious. <laughs> Second of all, how dare you? <laughs> How dare you? You know, sometimes the critics just love to hate Queen. I think that's what it really boils down to. I don't need to talk any more about that. You guys know how I feel about it. But we do have praise. 
Ultimate Classic Rock when ranking jazz at third for Queen's best albums commented, quote, Jazz is astonishingly deep with underrated Queen gems ranging from Mercury's Eastern Spiced Wig Out, Mustafa, to Deacon's Headbanging Beast, If You Can't Beat Them, Join Them. Actually, that's not the title, guys. <laughs> it's just If You Can't Beat Them. To Taylor's infectious disco tune, Fun It. So they complimented many tracks on this album, highlighting not just the diversity of the styles and genres, but the energy of the songs, the energy and the enthusiasm that went into them. And on BBC Radio 1 in 83, Brian did an interview. And when DJ Alexis Corner played this song, he said, Alexis said, quote, a track rich with phasing effects and the mega multi-tracking in which Roy Thomas Baker had made such a name. I want to point out that Queen was probably also instrumental in that multi-tracking, which became a trademark of their sound. You guys, one of these days, and maybe I'll just do it in this episode, maybe if I can remember, I'm going to link to this fantastic study someone did about the Queen sound and how the guys engineered that sound and that it went beyond the layering of the voices. It had to do with the layering of the sounds. But part of it was whenever the guys would sing huge wall-to-wall harmonies vocally, they all sang each of the parts more than once on the left, center, and the right. And what you end up with is this rich, full, fully realized layers and layers of these contrasting voices that when you put them all together, it sounds amazing. (laughs) That's not the right word, but it sounds, it's unique. It's, the guys just had such a great mix. You know, they've all talked about that, how unique, different their voices were against one another. They didn't sound anything alike. Freddie, Brian, Roger, nothing alike extremely different in tone, expression, all of it, their ranges, all of it. So when you put it all together, it sounds fantastic. I don't know. I could geek out about the Queen sound forever, but let's get back to if you can't beat them, because I'm about to dive into the nitty gritty. And this starts off with a riff we'll come to know well. It introduces the song. It's isolated on the left. It's just one of the two rhythm guitars we'll hear throughout the song. Drums on the second beat and the offbeat, really. So it's just a taste of the syncopation we'll hear throughout this energetic number. And immediately we hear the simplicity of this addicting progression, this peppy riff. Keep your chin up when you're feeling lonely. Don't let them get you down. As we'd expect, John is following right along with the melodies of the riff, showing off his bass lines. Effortless. Freddie sounds great. He nails those high full chest notes flawlessly. I'm digging Roger's double hits on the snare. Can you hear that? It's almost like a quick stutter or a delay. 
really nice weighted touch among that simple arrangement. It adds so much interest to an otherwise very straightforward riff. Then that key change and all the boys singing, if you can't beat them, join them. It really is something catchy and fun. The straightforward guitar-driven layers create this incredibly rock and roll vibe, which still surprises me coming from John. And into the link after the chorus wraps, that touch of toms and the riff on the drums, the roll. This part makes me want to get in a car and drive hard and fast with the top down. But I got to say, the sparse arrangement only emphasizes the drums that I wish were heavier and more present. I've talked about this before, that the mixing, especially on different pressings of this album, depending on when and where it was made, I think is very spotty. And here in this song, despite the fact that I love the drum arrangement, and believe me, I am not criticizing Roger's performance. What I'm criticizing is the quality of the sound and how, to me, the drums are lacking a presence, and this is not unique to this song. It's a bummer, but I'll have to dig and listen to other pressings of this album to see if this sounds better elsewhere. But anyway, into the second verse, you're taking me out to wine and dine me, trying to wind me round and around. We're hearing by now how repetitive this song is, but something about it sticks and reels you in. Freddie's delivery and its aggression, Brian's constant guitar, John's melodic bass, Roger nailing every hit and crash, plenty of cymbals. Speaking of which, there are an incredible array of them leading into the next chorus. And Brian flies on his guitar even more into the bridge and or solo section. If I didn't know any better, this would sit perfectly on an album much later. It's true that Brian's playing is pretty phenomenal here, effortless and lyrical, coming at us on both sides. This song, Beyond the Bridge and Into the Final Choruses, it's one big celebration of doing your thing, doing it well, owning it and owning them. Brian's guitars are heavily flangered in that outro that pounds and grinds away some wonderful eighth note hits on percussion and power chords, the bass only adding more depth and weight. The end of this is indeed a fun and powerful sensation of encouragement and positivity. And again, if this is one of those songs that you also kind of feel like it's good, but it doesn't, it doesn't have that stamp go listen to it live and come back to this and you'll be like, yes, I guarantee you this adds a lot of fire to this number live. It really does. And I just realized, you guys, one very important thing I forgot to note. Oh no, I did. <laughs> did I say that? That this is at 140 BPM? Did I actually say that? Because I forgot. I was thinking I forgot to note the tempo, but there it is, 140 BPM. And if I'm not mistaken, this is one of those songs on this album that had multiple tempos listed, but that doesn't make any sense because it wasn't cut time and there really isn't a change of pace. This song is very, it's very structured in its tempo. It doesn't have any rubato. You know, it's, it's not flexible in its tempo. It's very static. So I'm always baffled when I see 
these multiple tempos that clearly aren't correct. And then I have to double check and I'm like, okay, I did type the title in right, right? I suppose you guys, if I really wanted to be sure, I could bust out my own metronome and I could just call it myself. Where is my metronome? You know what? It is in storage right now. It's with my violin. So sorry. That's going to have to wait until later. Anyway, you guys, that is If You Can't Beat Them. And I had a feeling this was going to be a little bit shorter because I don't have comments from the boys. It's a pretty simple song, even though, yes, now I love it more than I did before. Yeah, it's a pretty short song. It's a pretty brief song. As I mentioned before, all the songs on jazz are somewhere in the three to four minute range. We don't have grand epics and short ditties anymore. We have pretty standard three, four minute songs, which on the surface, again, makes it seem like a very mainstream album. But I think as we've seen before, as we've heard before, on News of the World before this, and even albums before that, like Sheer Heart Attack, which was so diverse, the guys go down so many different avenues with their styles that it's no surprise we get more of that here on Jazz. And we're going to get even more of it as we keep going. We are almost at the halfway point. Can you believe it? We are almost halfway through Jazz already. I'm excited. I think some of my favorite, all-time favorite, most played Queen songs are coming up coming up in the tracks we're about to dive into but that is next time keep yourselves alive enjoy the rest of your day your evening stay happy stay healthy all that jazz more of that jazz we'll talk about that number later too roger taylor okay guys i'll be back again next time i said it i'm gonna say it again keep yourselves alive and indulge in happy holiday things cookies, lots of coffee. Yeah, I live on it. Tea, cookies and tea. What is it about (sighs) ginger cookies and red rooibos tea? I love that combination. I'm losing my voice. (laughs) I'm losing my voice. I talk too much today. Got to drink some water and got to go chill out. All right, guys, I've rambled enough. I'll be back next time.